0: that's Bluenile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. Bluenile.com.
1: The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Johanna & Cabin. Order your new 221 Renault today from our extensive Renault range. Guaranteed delivery and low rate APR finance. Visit BlackstoneMotors.ie.
2: You're very welcome to Late Lunch this Friday afternoon. We've a packed couple of hours ahead, so let's get straight to business. You do know by now that minimum unit pricing for alcohol now applies to sales here in Ireland. And the debate rages. I'm delighted to say I'm joined by a man who, every day through his work, sees the fallout from the abuse of alcohol. He's the consultant in hepatology and gastroenterology and associate professor of medicine at the Royal College of Surgeons in Ireland. Professor Frank Murray, welcome to the show.
3: Hello, Jerry. Hi, how
2: are you? I'm very good. Thanks for taking our call this afternoon. Well, you probably hear this yourself. People are saying, this is not going to make any difference. People are going to find the money to buy the drink. Or you know where we are here in the northeast, they'll tip over the border or, or, or whatever. Can you talk to me a moment about that? You know, the effects elsewhere, this has happened elsewhere, of raising the price and not having a, a plethora of cheap alcohol products available. Does it make a difference?
3: Yes, it does. Uh, It does indeed, very. And um, the reason this was implemented by the government and and, and indeed supported by the major political parties of all um, colours was because of the fact that there is a lot of evidence from abroad, particularly Canada and particularly from parts of Australia, showing that when you um, uh, no longer sell really cheap alcohol, there are a number of uh, certain outcomes that that were observed. But the first was that alcohol sales fell, um, which does in itself show that it works. Mm. Secondly, the number of people admitted to hospital with liver associated uh, illnesses and deaths that fell. Thirdly, there was a fall in the amount of alcohol related crime. So the the evidence is, is, is the, the, uh, the um, measure is evidence based, and it's really important to recognise this. It's it's a health measure. I mean, it's being put in because of the terrible amounts of alcohol harm we have in Ireland. And this was introduced because the government quite wisely identified that alcohol is not just an economic issue. It's not a simple commodity to be sold in shops recklessly. It is a health issue that needs to be embraced in regard to that.
2: So that those correlations are proven elsewhere, proven elsewhere and will yeah. be seen here, you believe, with time. Now, you've been involved in uh, this whole area for quite a number of years in working groups and uh, advising government, etc. D- is this just another step along the way? Is is there more to be yeah. done?
3: So, do you know, a, a very useful uh, analogy is to look at road debt. So road deaths have been dramatically reduced um, by undertaking a whole variety of initiatives, such as safety belts, speed limits, traffic lights, better roads, NCTs, etc. So they didn't improve road, uh, uh, reduce road fatalities and injuries by one measure. They had many, many measures. Now, in a similar fashion, to reduce alcohol harms, we need to adopt many other measures as well, such as, for instance. I think breaking the link with sports sponsorship, with uh, better labelling of alcohol-related products. And and indeed, one other thing that I think would really be quite useful would be, again, to look at road deaths and say, what do they do? That What was the single overarching thing they've done that's been most effective? I think it's to set up a road safety authority, which is a statutory authority, which is responsible for reducing harms on the, on the roads. I would argue that we should consider having a statutory authority around alcohol Which is responsible for alcohol, looking at alcohol consumption and alcohol harms, and also how we charge for alcohol. So I'd be calling for an alcohol statutory authority in Africa.
2: That's interesting, and it has uh, brought focus on the roads without doubt, and we see the results. You you mentioned, you know, uh, alcohol and Ireland's unhealthy relationship with it. Do You hear it. Time and again, round the world, you know, drink and the Irish and the way it's glorified. And you know, I am not anti-drink. I enjoy a drink. Just from your own point of view, I take it you're not anti-drink either.
3: No, no, not at all. And I consume alcohol. Yeah. So I'm I'm, I'm happy to to, to, to to declare that I consume it in sensible ways. and
0: um,
3: I, I, I think you're quite right. We have a terrible relationship with alcohol here in Ireland. And, and many people say, oh, it's our culture and we should drink like we drink because it's our culture. That, that of course, is nonsense. Um, we drink about two and a half times what we drank uh, 50 or 60 years ago. So it's not our culture. It's to do with marketing, availability and price. There's the three things that have driven alcohol consumption, I would, I would argue. And just to take that a bit further, I mean, we've got... Every, we've got uh, 400% more um, licences now to sell alcohol mm. in the off-trade than we had 25 years ago. Yes. So we've seen a big shift from the entree from restaurants, clubs and bars to the off-trade, which is mainly drinking at home or young people drinking in parks and places like that. And that has been a very uh, unhealthy Shift, I would say because I think people are alcohol is less harmful in the entree because there are regulations, people are trained and so on and so forth, whereas um, drinking at home and in parks is completely unregulated and. And, and, and more likely to be harmful I
2: think mm, I just reflected what you say when I think of growing up as well the sweets where you know when you went into a local shop you know what I'm talking about uh, Frank the sweets were there for children in that forefront now the alcohol is right there as you go you know it's beside the till area and it's in a prominent position and you're right it's just proliferated look you know in terms of the the, the uh, n- drilling down for a moment into the uh, level of safe drinking we have 11 standard drinks for women 70 for men over the course of a week. Do you go along with that?
3: So let's, let's just uh, step back from that slightly. It's, they're not the limits of safe drinking, Jerry. They're the low-risk limits. Okay. Okay, now, the two things I'd say to, in relation to that is that, first of all, they're outdated. They're, I think, more than 20 years old, and I think they need to be updated. And uh, what what happened in the UK was we adopted those levels from the UK, a couple of decades, ago, roughly. And the levels in the UK were... They they performed a huge review between 2013 and 2016 and brought out new guidelines in the UK, which in our units are 11 standard drinks for men and women as the low-risk units. So I think our low-risk limit for men, which, as you quoted, there are 17 units, 17 standard drinks, is too high. And the reason for that was it was, again... Looking at the evidence, and the evidence is that men are more likely to have a harmful outcome from the event of drinking because they tend to binge more than women and are more likely to get involved in an incident or an accident or a fight or or, or something like that that can either injure them or kill them or injure or kill other people. So that's the reason why those limits have been reduced in the UK. So I would argue that there is no, in fact, I I wouldn't argue, it's not that I would argue, the data is there is no safe limit of alcohol consumption that all alcohol is potentially harmful. However, I mean, I think we need to recognise that many people want to drink but I think that people should be encouraged to drink less and and I would recommend that people stay under the UK limits which is um, 11 standard drinks per week and the less that people drink the better. And finally, Jerry, there is no health benefit of alcohol. So, you know, we, in the past you heard people say, oh, I'm drinking for the good of my health. Mm. That's a myth that's been well and truly busted. The evidence is that there is no safe limit of alcohol consumption and there's no drinking that improves health.
2: So if you take that binge drinking is three pints or six bottles, you know, which would equate to three pints, you'd have to say then that most people who go for a few drinks on a night binge drink.
3: Yeah, yeah, we know that's the case in Ireland, that most people binge drink forty um, percent of people have binge drink have have been binge drinking in the last month and sixty uh, percent in the last year. so it's the norm in Ireland to binge drink. We have a very we we just we are in denial about the um importance of binge drinking and we're in denial about how prevalent it is. We know that alcohol is one of the heaviest Ireland the your part is one of the heaviest binge drinking nations. In the Western world, in some tables, Ireland has been as high as number number one or two, uh, number two or three in binge drinking in one of the WHO studies, second only to Austria. And we know that Irish women have been ranked in a study in the Lancet recently as being number seven in the world for binge drinking. So we've, we've got an enormous problem around binge drinking. And to go back to what I said earlier on, the problems of binge drinking are particularly around the event of drinking itself. The mm. people will have an incident or an accident or a fall... Yes. Or get involved in violence or whatever. So, and if I can make a final comment in relation to this? When we look at the deaths from alcohol, and we know there are three thousand, a big part three per day in Ireland, that's over a thousand a year directly attributable to alcohol. One third of them, one in three of those deaths from alcohol, is related not to people being chronic alcohol users, but to the event of drinking, and mainly to binge drinking.
0: Mm.
2: It's uh, They're really salient points that you make and telling, I have to say. You know the the way people talk about you know going out to drink? Well, before you go, ha- take on board plenty of food. Well, uh, you know, drink away, but have loads of water afterwards or perhaps even intersperse, which probably doesn't happen much unless you're wine drinking in between
3: with water as well.
2: Does any of that help? No. End of
3: story. Yes. I mean, it may reduce the rate that people get... Drunk if they get drunk, they more quickly get drunk. I think on an empty stomach than um yeah. the stomach, but it doesn't reduce the harm from alcohol. So all of that is myth, um, unfortunately. And so, you... so the message I would give the message I would give yep. to your Miss would be that people are best to drink less. We know in Ireland the the average person in Ireland is has an alcohol use disorder defined by. Uh, the audit, audit uh, C score, which is a, a, score, a measure of how much people drink and the pattern in which they drink, so we know that the average person in Ireland drinks in, an, in a hazardous or harmful way. So I would encourage people to reduce the amount of alcohol they consume for their own goods and for the goods of those pe- for the good of those people who are close to them, mm. who will also maybe harmed from the alcohol that they're consuming, and make sure for certain to stay below the um, UK safe guidelines, which are 11 units, 11 standard drinks per week, and taking at least two or three days without alcohol and avoiding binge drinking. They would be the key messages I would give in relation to that. Healthy drinking.
2: And if we do that, those debts you mentioned, three a day, will reduce for sure and all the fallout. And we know the fallout. You're so right from people who, you know, just aren't making sense of things when they have too much drink on board. There's so much of this all over the country as well each weekend. We will see change like you expect to see from the minimum pricing.
3: Yes, For certain. I I, I mean, I think it's worth going back and saying again, the problems relating to alcohol are related directly to the amount of alcohol we consume and the way we consume it. Mm. So if we reduce the amounts of alcohol consumed, particularly in association with minimum unit pricing, in two groups of people. First of all, those who are really heavy drinkers because they drink the cheapest drink in general. People who've got problems associated with alcohol. And secondly, younger people who tend to drink the cheapest drink because they're cash limited. Mm-hmm. So those two groups are particularly targeted by this measure. Now, what this measure doesn't tackle is prosperous people who drink. And I think that needs to be addressed as well. And that's why I, I was saying to you earlier on, Jerry, I think we need to have a far more programmatic a place, uh, and strategic uh, approach to how we reduce alcohol. And we need a, a, a statutory body responsible yeah. for reducing the alcohol-related harms. Mm-hmm. And finally, if I might make, make, make one other comment, is that the alcohol industry... Alcohol in Ireland costs quite close to 4 billion direct costs and a, and a reduction in GDP of over 1.5%. So the costs are probably 5 or 6 billion a year. Now that's an awful lot of money in the budget. 1 in 10 um, euros in healthcare is spent on alcohol. Now, the alcohol industry pays for none of that. And I would argue we should consider having a levy on the profits of the alcohol industry and the, and the various actors within it to pay for those costs which otherwise Jerry your listeners and yourself are paying for through taxation.
2: Well that is telling isn't it when you mention those figures and what that money could be put to and the use it could be put to it really really is incredible look I'm going to leave it there for today I know there's lots more we could cover as well I'll come back to you if you don't mind down the road but I really enjoyed what you had to say today and I do enjoy a drink myself like yourself as well but by God almighty when you hear it in stark terms as you put it there we should all be taking notice and taking cognizance and trying to change the way and change our behaviour really we really should
3: I would agree with that and maybe Jerry, one of the things you're you're, uh, a radio show or your radio station might want to do is to have a, an initiative to help reduce alcohol consumption uh, among your listeners, perhaps have um, some um, information and links on your website and on your show site. So, I mean, it is worth. there are things, people, everybody can do something to help reduce the problem.
2: Yes, that's, uh, that's so true and it applies to so much in life and to this issue in particular. We hear what you're saying and LMFM is always open to any suggestion to help in whatever way we can. I know that for sure. I wish you well, Professor Frank Murray. Thank you, much, Thank much, you for joining sir. me Thank on you. the show. Have Take your care list. yourself.
3: Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Now. Bye-bye. bye-bye.
2: <laughs> there you go. Um, in stock terms, yes, but the reality is what the professor says there. And I am not, I have to say it again anti-drink at all. I enjoy a drink myself, but it does make you think and consider the way and the amount we consume. And I again I thank Professor Frank Murray for joining me. If you have anything to say, 86 1800 658 WhatsApp or text me to the show 1850 Sorry, it's not. It's oh four one nine eight three two thousand. That old thing's programmed in my mind. Oh four one nine eight three two thousand is the new number for LMFM. After the break you know her well, she's loved in the northeast, in the country and around the world. But she's not talking to us about concerts or singing today. Mary Duff is with us next. Now, my next guest, she's been a friend of mine and on the show on and off over the years since we started Late Lunch, and we're normally talking about her new single and new album, where she's been in the world, and she's loved in the northeast in this country and all round the world as well. But today, she's going to talk to us on a totally different angle altogether. Mary Duff, hello.
4: Hello, Gerry. How are you doing? It's, it's good to talk to you. Thanks for... I'm not at out.
2: all. Always love to have you. Now, last night, you were in RD Main Street. What, about 9.30? 9,
4: 9.30? Uh, do you know what? It was, uh, I, I'm just after talking to the garden. He told me it was 8.30. OK,
2: 8.30. So let's... Yeah, 8.30. 8.30, 8.30 last night, Main it's Street. 20 past eight till OK. And what were you doing? You were shopping. You were in the spa shop. Were you there? I was
4: in the Bar. I, went in, I was looking for some. Actually, looking for chicken for my <laughs> my <father's laughs> cats. I feed them well.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Do well,
1: Mary.
4: Go on. <laughs> I know. I and I couldn't find a cooked chicken anywhere. I was off being in SuperValu and in, in Central. and St so on I got into John O'Brien's, as we call it. We call it John O'Brien's. He owns the spa, and uh, came out and had a few bits in the bag and put them in the boot. And uh, I hadn't even got my handbag with me. I had the handbag in the boot. Yeah. So Don't bring in the shops for me. I had my be And then when I saw, I said, "Ash, there's my handbag." Tommy into centre and took the handbag in the car because I was going to visit my sister. And I had a cook dinner with me because I hadn't eaten all day. I was mm. doing stuff. And had that sitting on top of the bag. It was kind of a hold-all bag you'd have on top of, say, a wheelie suitcase. You know, bring it to airports, one of those bags. Yes. A biggish one. So the dinner fit on top and I'd cat stuff in the, underneath it and load of stuff. And and I was just in the car. The car started, seatbelt on. Next, to the door open, still the side. And this fella, like my car is a lowish car. It's America, an old American, lowish down. And he'd had a, a crouch down, basically put his head in. You know, he was quite close to me. But I, st- I was convinced it was someone I knew that was messing. Totally convinced. And I wasn't really past much remarks when I thought, i was waiting him them to say, how are you, Mary? Look what I've got. Do you know what we... Mm. I know it's probably sounds so stupid when you think of it like, no. someone getting into the car, taking I was just sure sure as my nephew or someone... Yes. at me, just like as we'd say. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I was waiting him to say, ah, and next... I was kind of looking, right, like, kind of half stunned, but looking at him, what's he doing here? and he was kind of lifting my bag up because it was a bigish bag and putting the two arms around it up to his chest because it held me dinner as well he had me dinner well he
2: took everything
4: <laughs> he took everything and I uh, took the bag in, and shut the door and, and then I took off my and I got out and I said where the fuck is this and he was halfway up the road running and he kind of passed a fellow away a dog and passed through him nearly and your man I started saying, he's, got he's got me bag he's got me bag he's got me bag and then and then I started, ch- jump, started running after him myself and uh and it's halfway up the hill. And I thought, shit, my car's running. Maybe it's someone going to jump into my car. Maybe it's a decoy to get to get my car. Yes. I mean, you, you don't know what to be thinking. So I ran back to the car. And there was a woman there. She said, I'm after ringing the cops. I've seen the whole thing. And herself. And I don't know if it was her son or her grandchild. And she, she was explaining the whole thing. And this other guy who 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 the man passed by, he run past him. He's a dog with him. And he went, pa- went after him as well. And he said he ran straight into the car park of the old Credit Union he was only just the side of the hill yes maybe a bit 100 yards up I suppose from where I was and he said he jumped into a car two other guys in the car um, a blonde haired fell in, in the car and a dark haired fell driving it and they just started waving and smirking him were driving off and I went, how cheeky is that
2: did anybody get the reg
4: well uh, there was another guy came on the scene as well in the car and he said you have been Robin yeah he says, I've seen him as well and he, he said i was going to chase him in my car. the car a young lad mm. now, I, I don't know his name I can't remember his name but a plucky fellow as well, and he says, I, and I said, okay. And he ran off and he came back, or drove off, came back maybe a couple minutes later, and he says, they're after going to the, the Dundalk Road. He turned and came back, obviously, to me to tell me. He said, well, I follow them? I said, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, this is no 09 um, Corolla.
2: An, o, bad, o, an 09 Toyota Corolla.
4: Corolla. Yeah, that's what he thought it was.
2: Okay. All right. A and dark, it...
4: small, dark car, he said. Okay. So he went down the other road. But I didn't see him since then to know if he survived the ordeal. Or...
2: Yeah, my God, this is getting like a Starsky and Hutch episode <laughs> all of a sudden. Exactly. Mary running down the road after yes. the boys in the bag, yes. pursuing yes. the car, man with dog, woman with child. <laughs> my God, I think there's a programme in this. But look, it seriously, they took everything. <laughs> they took your dinner. They took the
4: cat's dinner. dinner. The cat's dinner. Your bag. <laughs> but halfway up the road, my dinner must have fell out of the bag and he's they got me dinner.
2: Oh my god! But Mary, listen seriously. I know you're. I know you're I know. smiling, but now. But Mary, this is not um, nice at all. You know.
4: No, you know the guards came and they were there in a couple of minutes and they were just absolutely brilliant. As long as these people as well, who were so helpful, they helped me f- freeze my cards, which mm. I didn't know you could do. By the way, mm. um, I several credit cards, and you can actually anyone who's on um a mobile bank, and I didn't know this now, and I've said several. They didn't know. You went to a mobile um, bank and yes, app. And you can actually press freeze on your card. And, and, and locked straight everything
2: away. straight away. What about your phone? Had you your phone on your person?
4: Yeah, I had my phone. You were
2: lucky. lucky. Yeah, yeah you, you had the phones. phone. Normally the Very phone is lucky. in the bag. So they got yeah. your purse, there's a few bob in it, your cards.
4: all my cards, my driving license, my passport, my COVID certs, and booster certs, and everything. And obviously makeup and... Of oh, measuring tapes and the scissors to cut my father's hair. And all
2: kinds of stuff. Oh, my God Almighty! They got a treasure trove together
4: A woman's handbag has all kinds of stuff. And, mm. But there was two things I would have really like. They wouldn't be important things. But there was there was one thing really, really, really I was annoyed about. It, it As a little tiny, oh, I can't even talk. Right now. A little statue. It's about an inch, I suppose, an inch, an inch high. And I have a touch for years. A woman gave it to me in the last talent competition. I was in the Sunday World Talent Competition. Joan Lynch, a friend of mine from Marty. and she used to always blessed me when I've been in talent competitions with this little statue. And she says, "No, you, I don't need any more. I'm going to give it to you because you're on the road to um, success or something." I suppose she said after winning the talent competitions and whatever. And I've had it thirty-five years, and it's been absolutely everywhere. I. Bless me suddenly, cat everybody with this every day and night. Yes. I always have it. I've never go without it. And even this morning, I was, I was singing that funeral this morning. Okay. I was looking for the statue. Where's my statue? To... So
2: that's the most precious thing that of everything so that precious. went. You'd like to yeah. have it back. Mary, look, I have to leave it at that for today. I I'll if we anyone put it we...
4: the bag. It's a leopard skin bag. If anyone finds a leopard skin hold-all bag, a, a leopard skin, skin, skin.
2: hold-all bag out the Dundalk Road from Mardy, An 09 yeah. Toyota Corolla, we believe. Three fellas okay. in it. And yeah. mind yourselves. That's the message today. Yeah. Mary, you're great. Thanks for joining oh, us. And I hope yeah. you recover that little precious memento. Ah, uh,
4: yeah. Thanks a million, Joey, for the challenge. Not and at all. Take up and keep up the good work. Great Thanks shows, a million. As well. Thank Thanks you, Mary. Joey. Take Thanks care. Everybody. Mary bye.
2: Duff there. Bye bye. A real warning, folks. A real warning. <laughs> Professor Frank Murray on at us, top of the show talking about the ills of alcohol, and we're getting a lot of messages on it. Here's one that jumps out to me as a recovering alcoholic this message from uh, mr murray is most welcome jerry i'm just worried that uh, people who are addicted to alcohol or spend heavily on it will spend more money on drink and go without food thank you indeed for that uh, that message there jerry don't mention my name says another listener i really wish i could share my fight with the dreaded drink on air but my family don't know about my struggle i'm now into my second year sober and enjoy life but we're a struggle, Jerry. every day. Nobody knows how hard it is unless you've taken a drink. I wish you well and well done to you for being sober for two years. But imagine not being able to talk to your family about it. Isn't that tough and how tough it is every day? Day. Mary Duff, uh the, the theft of her bag from the car last evening in R. D. Again, look at Mary's popularity. So many people shocked to hear it happened and sorry for what happened to her. She's dealing with it well. Well, she was till the end of the conversation there, until that little memento she wants back dawned on her what had happened. It was a serious situation. It really was. And it just shows you should lock your car immediately you get back into it. A lot of new cars do lock automatically, but a lock on the doors is a big help indeed. Now we have a week competition for your late lunch, as we do every Friday of this year, and we're going to do we're gonna play a song synonymous with a TV advert or a famous TV show. Today it's a TV show. Have a listen. What am I looking for here? This song is the theme from what? Classic TV show. <laughs>
0: you've got Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot Wouldn't you like to get away When you've got
2: no yes, the name of the TV show, please, for a lovely prize from Late Lunch on LMFM this afternoon, 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me in your answers as soon as you can and we'll pick a winner before the end of the show. Now, you know how we love our gardening on Late Lunch with the wonderful Nicky Kyle, but there's another aspect to growing plants and it's indoors yes many people love their indoor plants but to be honest with you i'd say i have slightly green fingers but i've always struggled myself and i'm hoping my next guest can sort me out once and for all because when i tell you erin thomas began her business yes in 2020 during the lockdown she's a specialist in house plants and her business is called hopeless botanics which i am erin good afternoon
5: Hi, Jerry. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me.
2: Not at all. Delighted to have you on the show with us. Can I can I stick my chest out and do a little boast with you for a start?
5: <laughs> Please do.
2: <Yeah. laughs> Will I tell you what I did? Uh, Ponsettia, Last Christmas, Christmas of twenty twenty, got it as a gift. A lovely white Ponsettia. and Erin, you'll be proud of me. I nursed it through the full year to this Christmas
5: well done and it bloomed again
2: yeah well you know that's that's the little downside it's a good fettle but it didn't bloom what did i do wrong
5: <laughs> but you didn't throw it on your compost heap no anyway. you kept it going no
2: i kept it going and i still have it will i keep it going will i keep it lit
5: yeah yeah oh brilliant they're beautiful beautiful plants and i think my, people are familiar with the red variety but the white one is just as beautiful it's gorgeous mm. um did you feed it throughout the year, maybe? Did you give it any sort of um, uh, houseplant feed?
2: I did give it a little, but not very often. Let's say once a month or that. And I didn't overwater it. I was trying to just keep it right. Now, the right, the leaves are in good fettle, deep green still. Lost a few, but the blimmin' white bloom never emerged.
5: Ah, uh, you might have some luck next year. It might come back again. Sometimes with the likes of peace lilies this often happens as well the blooms can just disappear for a year year and a half and then you know they can come back again the plant is just regenerating and um, so if you can keep it going until next year maybe you'll have some luck <laughs> keep feeding it definitely keep feeding it and maybe repot it as well with some fresh soil if you can okay and um, use a house plant sort of specific soil
2: Good on you. Well, listen, I'm going to do that and give it a go. Well, may I congratulate you on your business? Yeah, You're flying and you uh, deliver plants all over the country. You're online as well. Is that a bit of an issue for people? Uh, you know, there's a bit of a leap of faith, is there, to buy houseplants online? And how do you over that?
5: Yeah, it definitely is a leap of faith. I think people will always love going to garden centres and they'll always love you know, feeling and touching and checking over um, a plant before um, they bring it home. So I suppose we do a few, we we kind of do a few different things to try to pull people at ease. Um, There's a huge amount of convenience in getting, say, a large plant to your door. You know, people who don't drive, people who are city centre-based and things like that, they love to kind of, the idea that, you know, in a couple of days without having to go off too far away far-flung places garden centers that a gorgeous big green palm will arrive at their door in a beautiful pot Mm. so um one thing we do is we get a lot of customer reviews and we encourage people to read them and then we just have a lot of really strict quality control we don't send anything out the door that we wouldn't ourselves merrily pick up from um you know from a shop or from a garden center we check over all plants before they go out and if something doesn't meet our you know our standards it doesn't go out because online businesses there's a huge um there's a huge amount of trust that you try to build with your customers and you don't want to jeopardize that um and in our year and a half business, I think I've probably had about four returns and we've sold thousands and thousands of plants. Aww. So
6: um,
5: we're quite proud. We're quite proud of our quality control. It takes a <laughs> lot of time and effort, but it's worth it. Uh, yes. um, and I guess there's, there's people sending house plants now where maybe they would have sent a bouquet of flowers to congratulate someone or for a housewarming and people instead are maybe opting to send house plants.
0: Mm, so I like we're just that.
5: helping people to try maybe make that leap of faith.
2: Yes, no, but it is and and you're right. Yeah, yeah, well uh,
5: they, they definitely last.
2: Yeah, they do, and that is the big difference. You're giving some you're giving somebody something that will last for time and with looking after, they'll have it for years and years. So with that in mind, let's get a few hot tips from you because you know what to do. Let's begin with watering. I take it <laughs> watering is a crucial <laughs> aspect of any House plant and varies. I take it with the time of year.
5: Yeah, it does. Um, We encourage people to change their watering. um, You know, depend whether it's the summer. Your plants are going to need more water compared to winter. uh, They need much less. So one of the first things we tell people to do with watering, when you buy a plant. And you get that nice little tag that's on it, um, whether you bought it in a supermarket or wherever. And it says on the tag, water twice per week. Uh, take that tag out and just put it in the bin and forget about it. <laughs> um, and get to know, like, go by the soil, not, you know, how many days per week you should be watering your plant. So by that, I mean, um, different families of plants, you know, they like the soil to dry out a certain amount. So say your rubber plant, rubber tree, um, in a regular size tabletop pot, you want to let the soil dry out, you know, one to two inches on top, and then you can water it. Um, So we try to tell people to avoid saying, oh, it's Sunday, I'm going to lash loads of water into my plants. And then it's kind of a surefire way to really drown it if you just keep... Every Sunday, putting water in, putting water in. Um, get to know how many centimeters or an inch um, that the soil should dry and go by that. You know, stick your finger in yeah. and check it. And then then see, does it need water? Because I have plants at home that maybe I would water weekly in summertime, uh, a Monstera, Swiss cheese plant. But in the wintertime, I could go five weeks without giving it any water mm. um, because... It, d- it takes that long. It takes that long for the soil to dry out.
2: Yes, and that's, um, that's very important advice. Yes, very important advice. The watering is key and good pointers there. What about light? Uh, position them near windows because windows can be cold and drafty in wintertime as well.
5: <clears throat> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, judge it. I mean... Our, our light is so low and poor this time of year. So, I mean, at home, I would push the majority of my plants as close to a window as I possibly could. Um, definitely, you don't want them near draft. Hardy Hardier plants can handle a draft. If you have anything a bit more delicate, like Calatheas, they really won't like it. Um, judge it based on the plant, you know, but um, if it's not getting any light, if it's not if your plant can't kind of see the sky or see the sun, it's not going to be able to photosynthesize and feed itself. Mm. Um, so it's just going to maybe slowly die on you. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so that's important to remember. Give them as much light as you can. Be be wary if it's too chilly or other drafts of that. But you're right, if they don't have light, they're in big trouble. Now, what about the heating in our homes? You know, it's up and down, it's on, it's off. The poor plants must be thinking, I'm in yeah. Siberia today, I'm in Africa tomorrow.
5: Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, definitely. Um, I think choose hardy houseplants uh, is always good um you know, stay away from anything too diva-ish. Um, any sort of pothos is brilliant. They can handle normal household temperatures. Monstera, Aspidistras, you know, the cast iron plant. Kind of have a think about your home. And if the temperature is fluctuating a huge amount like that, just opt for really hardy ones that are able to handle a bit of cold, um, because otherwise you're kind of maybe fighting a losing battle, you know. Um, so, I mean, most plants like that you see, Kenchipans, uh, Rubber Trees, Pothos, um, Monstera, they're all completely fine in our normal household conditions. And mm. um, one thing you could do is maybe give them a misting every once in a while, wipe the leaves, keep the leaves clean so that they can absorb whatever sunlight is there and, um, And kind of clean leaves deters pests as well. Um, That can really help this time of year as well.
2: Yeah, very important advice. And I take it if leaves are dropping off, yellowing, clear those as well and keep an eye on the plant. Now, tell me this before you go. I want you to give us two recommendations today of two plants you wouldn't be without in your home.
5: (laughs) Oh, oh, Jay, it's really hard to choose. Two plants I wouldn't be without in my home. And um, I love the look of big palms, a kentia palm, um, I love them. They, I have one at home that's maybe nearly two meters tall. It's a lovely, dark green, lush, beautiful plant.
7: Okay. I adore
5: them. And so easygoing. The odd time a brown stem will appear, you just chop it off and it'll be replaced by gorgeous new growth. Um Gosh, my other favourite plant of all time would be an Aspidistra, a cast iron plant. Um, they are bomb proof. They're fantastic. And they're just really um, classic looking. And yes. you could go away if you were so lucky to go away on holidays for a month and leave it alone and it would be completely fine. Uh, and I can't add more to this list. No, no. I have no. to just stay with two.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I know I put you on the spot. So the Acancipam and the Aspidistra are the two that you're recommending today. But folks, check this woman out. Yeah. HopelessBotanics.ie. That's HopelessBotanics.ie. She'll deliver to anywhere in Ireland. And the advice is sound. As thousands and thousands of people have vouched for already. You're great. I wish you well. And thank you for joining us with all that advice on the show today.
5: Thanks so much, Jerry. Have a nice weekend.
2: You too. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's the wonderful Erin Thomas there from Hopeless Botanics. Always lovely to have a few plants around the house. I used to have a ficus digantle myself for years. Beautiful, beautiful plant. Don't know whatever, ha- whatever happened to it, but so we used to call it ficus betty at home for a particular reason. But there you go, not to be revealed on the airwaves today. Anyway, €19 million euro is going to be won tomorrow night. Fran Wearty from the National Lottery is with us next. Let's quickly check in with Fran Wearty from the National Lottery. 19 million, Fran. It's going tomorrow night for sure.
1: It's coming to an end, Jerry. All set for it now. <laughs> I'd say the
2: uh, tension is building. I know there's going to be some amount of people playing for this, isn't there, tomorrow night?
1: Yeah, look, we're seeing a lot of activity in shops. So I was over in my own shop there at lunch, getting a sandwich, and it was I could see people in the queues buying. So look, my message for everybody who is who is planning on on buying a ticket is just to buy your normal ticket. There's no need to play excessively at all. If you're in, you're in. You know, if if your luck is in, it's in. And um, if you can play early at all, please do because we don't want to see any with the COVID rampants at the moment. We don't want to see any uh, queues in shops ahead of the 7:45 close off period tomorrow night.
2: I have me ticket already. I got it I got it yesterday and just stuck it away. Didn't even look at it. Look, how is this going to work tomorrow night?
1: You'll have to get your calculator out here now. So how it's going to won? it will be won. Uh, the 19.06 million is going to be given away. So if there's a match six winner, that's normal. That's somebody will win that jackpot prize. Yes. But in addition to that, also, obviously, we're selling tickets at the moment, so the jackpot prize should be growing. So what you will see is additional prize money that will be shared among the lower prize tier where there's a winner. So we expect that the, the overall prize pool to be well in excess of around €21 million Euro at this stage. So there, will be, there should be multiple winners at the jackpot and at lower prize tiers as well. So well, very if, exciting.
2: So, if there's no again six numbers match, the next prize down, say there's ten people have the next, you know, the five plus or whatever, yeah. will they? Will the nineteen be divided
1: between those? It'll be more than nineteen, Jerry. Oh, so 21, we, Say yeah. Yeah, it'll be in and around twenty-one. So okay, you'll have ten winners sharing yes. the twenty-one. Oh, ah, great.
2: Euro. Yeah, yeah, I see but where you're coming from. So that's the way it's
1: going to work. And that would be a nice uh, result of oh, so many more wouldn't it? different winners. Yes, that would be brilliant.
2: that'll be the, the, the dream outcome for sure. Remind us again, when was it last one?
1: It, it, it's such an unusual event. Uh, it was last won on the 6th of June. Um, and the, it, for three weeks in a row, it was won on a Saturday. Three weeks in a row. And then we get to this. It started on the 9th of June and it hasn't been won since. It's such an unusual sequence of events. Uh, You know, you can never predict a lottery, but this is truly remarkable. The previous highest rollover we had was 22 draws, and that was actually last year. And this is 64 on Saturday. My oh my.
2: Now, I believe going forward from this point on, there are new rules in place that it won't run this long again.
1: This is, it's so unusual that we didn't have this factored into the game rules because we never expected to get this high. So we're happy to say that our regulator has approved our new game rules. This means that was, this will never happen again. If we get to a cap, God forbid it ever happens again, it'll only roll for five draws. And after the fifth draw, we will have a will-be-one event similar to what we're having this Saturday.
2: So that's uh, a new uh, uh, rule that's in there now that people understand that that's the way it's going to work in the future once it reaches the cap of the 19.1 million or whatever. Well, Fran, uh, I believe the only drawback for you guys there, including Mr. Ronan Cooney and everybody else, (laughs) is you can't play yourselves.
1: Well, yeah, I, I was chatting to your researcher there. We are probably one of the only work syndicates in the country who don't have a syndicate. <laughs> uh, it's against the law for us to have a ticket. And I suppose it would be something like out of Father Ted if it turns around and a, a group of lottery employees had won the jackpot. So it wouldn't go down well. No. Look, we, we see winners coming and going every single day. So we don't mind. We get to share the excitement as well. So, look we will be happy to see the winners coming forward after tonight or after Saturday night's draw one Four,
2: seven, nine, sixteen, thirty-two. They're my six, and don't anybody else do them because, uh, you know, I want to try and get that six of me on. I'm only joking, <laughs> anyway, Fran. That's my my die cast there with those numbers. Fingers crossed,
1: <laughs> Jerry. You're after giving it giving it away now. You'll have, so many, you'll have to share it now. I don't mind. I'll
2: share it willingly, Fran. Good luck to you all, and we wait with bated breath for the outcome tomorrow night.
1: Uh, hopefully, we'll have some good news for you. Yes.
2: Yes, and that we have winners here in the northeast. But good luck to everybody who plays the game wherever you play it. Thanks a million, Fran. Cheers, Jerry. Take bye care, sir. Bye bye. That's Fran Wirty there from the National Lottery. Don't do them numbers. <laughs> I'll do them if you want. I don't care, sure. I'll split it with you. I'd only be delighted to Anyway, what would you do if you won it? I know what Juliet Turner would do. <music> Juliet Turner, take the money and run. I'll take the money if I win on Saturday night, but I won't run. I'll be here at half one on Monday for your late lunch, whether I win or not. And I'll tell you if I do, I promise you. My next guest is in the travel business. Well, perhaps travel not as you or I know it, with offices in Navin and Belfast. she employed 30 people. Pre pandemic. She's been through a lot in our time and she joins me today to talk about the difficulties she's encountered over the last couple of years. I'm delighted to say hello to Emer Hannan. Hello, Emer. Hi Jerry. How
8: are you
2: today? I'm really good. Thanks very much for joining me on the show. Um, you welcome. might tell our listeners uh, you're not a travel company per se, as we all know, where we go in and book our holidays. Tell us what you do.
8: Well, Jerry going back maybe 20, I'm um, 22 years in business. So before that, when I'd worked in other travel agencies, I identified that there was always an area where people needed to travel, but it might not necessarily have been to the sun on their holidays, with which are the spades. It might not necessarily have been, you know, to a city break, but they actually needed to go, obviously, for work. But obviously, some people needed to go see friends, family abroad, or individuals working needed to go for work. So I had started working in New the UCD, 13 years ago, looking after all the students, and then I moved into corporate travel in Dublin after that. And I suppose I just, I thought like, these people are travelling the whole time, they they need support and they need somebody to help them. They're experts in their field, they're experts in their business, they're busy during the days in their businesses, and they need us, the experts, to look after their travel. So that's where we started. Um, Ronan, my eldest son, was born 22 years ago. I didn't want to commute. My husband was He's in retail, Raymond. Um, he was setting up his own retail business at the time. He's, actually, he's got a centre there in Boves and, and Mail and over here in Dorada. So he was going one avenue and I was going, but, right, you know, we have these kids. I need mean, this kid and the twins came along afterwards and I just needed somebody. I needed to be at home, but I also needed to be able to... I wanted to work at the same time. So I sort of identified that there was a need out there for people that needed to travel, which wasn't your two weeks in the sun. So, set up my own there about 22 years ago, um, looking after corporate beginning to Go out looking after businesses, and was very lucky. Um, had a few very lucky breaks, and literally got in looking after a lot of corporate aviation companies in Dublin, um, corporate aviation leasing companies, and stuff like that. So, I suppose we went from there, and over the years we grew and grew and grew, and um, we opened up our, our office in Belfast to service in our UK market, and then. We, as I said, we continue to go up to about 30 staff. So our type of customer was it could be a big global. It's the guy that lives next door to you that travels the whole time. And, mm. you know, if you're wondering who's managing him, who's managing his hotels, who's managing his cars. But there's also the individual that has to go somewhere it's tricky. And it's not easy to do on the internet. And it's, it's not easy, you know, it's not a holiday either. Or you've got this, the person who's traveling four times a year for work. So basically, that's the area we look after. Um, I would say we're a travel management company. We really tailor towards what the client needs. Um, and we're really the professional's asset. As I said, we let the others run their businesses and we look after all their flights. Yes. And, and it's the logistics of travel, really, in the background. So those taking into account, you know, the duty of care to the guys and coming up with the most sensible, because you're not going to get everything out of the computer. Your computer just... Spits out what you put in. Yes. But sometimes there needs to be a little bit of wriggling around and, you know, manoeuvring things to make it work. And I suppose... The client comes to us with their problem, what travel they want, where they need to go to, what's their itinerary, and yep. we'll come back with the best solution there.
2: Yeah, you're certainly uh, serving a particular aspect of the market. Now, I'm just thinking to myself, uh, talking about travel as we do regularly here on the show with Sandra, ash clouds, nine eleven, recessions, disasters worldwide. Is this, uh, has this been the toughest of all of those? Or is there a resilience built into you people because of all those challenges over the years?
8: I think there's a bit of resilience built into us. And I suppose when, when COVID did here, we started to hear about COVID about November, December. And it was in China, and we, we would have clients that were based over there, and they started talking about us. And we're saying, we've heard before, we've heard of bird flu, we've heard of other viruses that had broken out in other parts of the world, not really thinking it was going to affect us. So I suppose when it came to the 12th of March, um, that particular week, I remember one night, the night before at midnight, just looking at the news saying America was closing down their borders. And the scramble we had to, get, to, con- you know, to contact our passengers to get them back. And I mean, that week was so stressful because you had, you had a lot of the AFL players that were out in Australia, and they were trying to get back. Singapore was shutting down at midnight, and it was literally a race against time. So that first week was like, "What is going on? We've never experienced this before." 9/11 was different because America just shut and everybody sat, but the rest of the world more or less moved. But this COVID was closing the entire world, and people were stuck. So that first week, that week of the 12th of March, was a scramble. You know, we worked literally. The girls and all of us are in the team we literally worked 24 hours around the clock. Literally getting passengers on planes and getting them home. Mm. And we got them all home. And then I suppose once that initial panic was over and you sort of sat back and you went, oh my God, what is actually happening? You thought it was going to last a couple of weeks. You didn't actually think it was going to to go on. Like we're two years now of March since since the world has changed due to COVID and, and borders closing down. So that was sort of that the first two weeks of COVID. And then we, I mean, only recall, then we had the problem where the medics, we couldn't get our medics back into Ireland. We had a lot of the ag students that were stranded down in New Zealand. We couldn't, they couldn't get home. We had a lot of families that basically were in Australia. We had a lot of medical people that were in the Philippines who'd gone home to visit their families and they couldn't get back. So, they would have all booked on the internet, booked their flights on, on various different websites. But when COVID hit, all their phone lines were shut down. So they couldn't contact anybody. There was nobody speaking to anybody. So we basically, when they get through to us and we answered, they actually say, is this a person talking to me? Is this real? So we then, I suppose a week later or so... We we reached out, we got a call from the Department of Foreign Affairs to know would we be able to help in repatriating all these passengers that were stuck abroad. So that was sort of into week four of COVID and we basically did a huge repatriation project and we took, we repatriated well over 1,000, 1,500 people from the likes of Australia, New, New Zealand and the sheer relief they were getting on plane and the sheer relief that this could have been the third ticket that they were purchasing but we were the only person that actually they were able to contact. So a lot of people abroad had wasted thousands of euros to try get home, and literally they go to the airport and their flight was cancelled but they couldn't get their money back because they couldn't speak to the computer that they booked
2: with. Isn't that just so interesting and makes the case I've always been someone to use the travel agent, to be honest with you, and I know online is great in that as well, but I've had experience when push comes to shove, you can't beat that relationship or having the person on the end of the line. So, look, you've you've moved on a lot since then, and is it picking up again? Are you re-employing? It is. Yeah. Yeah, it
8: is. So, obviously, it was really difficult Sort of we then had to restructure our business. We had to do redundancies, reduce our staff levels. And that was the hardest because it was the staff that make who we are. I might, My name might be on the company, but it's the staff behind it. They're the, they're, they're, the, they're the people that I worry about. So basically, we had to do a whole restructure, redundancies, reduce staff levels. And through that time where it was really those lean times, we, we started to reach out to other... We knew there was a cohort of people in Ireland that needed to move. So we sort of went into this area of tricky travel, where you had people who were sick; they needed to get to the states to do stem cell treatment. You had, unfortunately, people whose, you know, family may have got sick abroad or died abroad. They needed to travel. Borders were closed down, but they still needed to move. You know, even people on IVF treatments; they needed, they still needed to travel. But yet, everywhere was closed. So we worked with all of these different types of industries and people. And we've got their, their families moved. It might have been one person a day, but we still moved them. Mm. And it was back to us here on the team that we were doing something in the pandemic. So, yes, yeah, things have turned around. Um, I'm, it's great to, be able to say a lot of the old staff are coming back. and Things are picking up. We've gone through wobbles um, in the sense that, you know, it, like October, November this year was, was crazy, was really, really busy. Then it just died when Onycromb started but now we're beginning to see a little bit of confidence coming back and um, obviously the requirement to have a test to come back into Ireland has really helped you know the confidence to come back and people are looking towards the future now they're looking towards they're looking towards conferences again they're looking towards holidays they're looking towards going to visit their families abroad they're, they're looking you know Small businesses are now looking and saying, now we can move out of Ireland, we can start doing our sales trips abroad, we can start doing this. So, yeah, I do believe it's, I do see it. I think this year we're going to have to just literally go at the moment and when there's a bubble there and everything's safe, go. And we might have, it might just be a little shaky, it might be sort of closed down for, you know, reduce down for a week or two, get over something and go back. But I do think um, we are coming out of this. I'm quite confident you are
2: coming out. Oh, it's good to hear that. It's good to hear that. From, from your own point of view, I know you do more than your business there. Uh, you won Female Entrepreneur of the Year in 2018. That was a great fill-up, I'm sure, for you. You're involved with the rugby club there, the race course and the equestrian world. But one thing I wanted to talk to you about just for a moment before we finish, this ACORNS programme where you mentor uh, other women in, in uh, business that's very important to you
8: yeah it really is because I suppose I felt you know I really think it's important to give back and I've been very very lucky in the sense that you know I've a very successful business and everything, it's been good to me and I just feel it's important to give back I see running a business on your own can be a very very lonely space because you're the one that's ultimately making the decisions and there's so many fantastic people that are coming up behind us um, that have fabulous ideas and they just need the confidence and they just need a little bit of advice and just, I suppose, talk to somebody who's been through it. And we've all had dark days. We've all had great days. But it's just basically, I don't think that we pat ourselves enough on the back and say, we're doing good. This isn't, this is a good idea. Look what we've achieved. We're constantly, when we're trying to run our own businesses, always striving to try to be better. And I look outside and I just see there's so many budding businesses and they just need a little bit of support. Not financial support, just emotional support. business advice, everything like that. And it's different, you know, I think, I I always say to everybody, you know, your family can be too emotionally attached to your business. And it's really your friends. I always say your friends are the boards that you can't afford. Because they're the ones that will be honest and direct with you. Mm. So the Acorns program is like this, the board that they can't afford. And we really, you know, we meet once a month. I had a fabulous group of 10 this year. Um, I've had some great, great people have come through. I, um, just um email from Baker, Laven has done it, um, and various other people. But it's, it's, it's a, I just feel I'm giving back, and it actually energises me. When I come out to the sessions yes. every month, I feel energised, and it makes me go back and sort of go up into my helicopter and look down
5: at my
2: business and make sure I am doing what I'm preaching. Yeah, good on you. You really are. And I know the people you mentor uh, appreciate you greatly. Listen, I'll leave it there for today. I thank you for joining me. Continued success to you. And you've shown wonderful, wonderful resilience. Let me say yourself. And if people want to find out more about you and they're interested from what they've heard today, it's hannantravel.ie. Thanks, Emer.
8: Thanks, Jerry. Happy New Year. Bye-bye. Many happy
2: returns. Take care Bye-bye. now. That's they uh, there speaking to me from Navin this afternoon. had a very, very successful woman. You know the way we're talking about nutrition, food, diets, New Year's resolutions. Let's have a laugh on late lunch this Friday afternoon. It's a classic from a brilliant comedian, New York Rabbi Jackie Mason. Here he is at the 1991 Royal Variety Performance.
6: Ladies and gentlemen, I want to wish you all the very best of health. And I say this from the bottom of my heart because it's been a great opportunity for me to be in this country. This is a glorious country, probably the greatest country in the world today. I say it for only reason. I know that you're listening and you believe it, so I'll tell you whatever you want to hear. (laughs) I sincerely wish you the very best of health, and it's no joke when you wish somebody the best of health. It's very hard to stay healthy in any country in the world today. I don't care how advanced the country is, it's very hard to stay healthy, because they found out that everything you eat or drink is bad for you. There's nothing good. There was a time one thing was good, another thing is bad. Today, everything is bad. Even a bottle of soda. Is a soda good for you? Found out it's bad. Red meat was once the best thing in the world for you. No good. It'll kill you in a second. But... The worst thing, the, it'll kill every Jew in the world, it does second. <laughs> eggs, eggs was once the best, now it's the worst, you can't eat an egg any place in the world. Cake, cake will kill you, blintzes, blintzes will wipe you out. There's nothing you're allowed to eat. In this country, it's not a question of staying healthy anymore. It's a question of picking out a sickness that you like. Everything is bad. Everything is bad. Even a cup of coffee. They used to say, have a cup of coffee. Can't hurt you. Remember that? (laughs) Remember anything at all? (laughs) (laughs) They used to say, have a cup of coffee. Now they found out even coffee is bad. Did you read about it? They found out the latest information is that coffee has carcinogens in it. That's right. They found out that coffee causes cancer. That's right. Not only that, the caffeine keeps you awake all night. So not only are you dying, you watch yourself go. (laughs) And most people have coffee with sugar. They found out sugar will give you diabetes. So you want to avoid diabetes, you have it with saccharin. Saccharin causes cancer, so you figure you'll drink milk. Milk will kill you because of cholesterol. Now you got three ways to go. You didn't even eat yet. <laughs> so you know what everybody says? Drink water. Water is the best thing in the welfare. Water, water, lots of water. Now they found out exactly the opposite is true. The worst thing you could drink is water. Did you read about it? They found out the water in this country is so polluted that a half a glass of water is comparable to two coffees, three milks, and four (laughs) peas. See, they die from thirst or you pass away drinking something no matter what. Why do you think people are eating in health food stores more than ever before? Did you read about it? Who am I talking to? (laughs) People are eating in health food stores more than ever before. Take a look into any health food store, packed. Do you ever notice that? All the health food stores are packed. And take a look at the people in the health food stores. You ever see them? They all have one thing in common. They look sick.
2: (laughs) Louise, let's reprise the theme song from that famous TV show, please. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name And they're always glad you came You want to be where you can see The troubles are on Ah yes, everybody knows your name when you're on LMFM Radio, that's for sure. That's Cheers there, the team from Cheers. And well done to Donna Cullen from Cotton Mills, Haystown, Navin. You are the winner of a prize today on Late Lunch. It's winging its way to you in the post as I speak. Congratulations and thanks to everybody who joined in the fun. We'll have another theme for you on Late Lunch next Friday afternoon now my soundtrack this week comes from the movie pretty woman and no surprise when i tell you it won triple platinum sold triple platinum and uh, in excess of seven million copies seven million copies of the soundtrack ultimately across the world the popularity of the movie the great songs Ah, you can't beat it 28 years on, after the release of the movie in 1990, the stage musical opened on Broadway in July 2018. Did you know that? With the lyrics and music, listen to this, written by no other than Mr. Brian Adams and assisted by the great Jim Valance. Yes, the boys were involved in the stage show. It's been a massive hit on Broadway rolled out across the United States and into Europe and on the West End in London too. It's been received with uh, gusto by audiences. The story rolls on, yes, of Pretty Woman all these years later on the stage. But unfortunately today the curtain comes down on its week in the spotlight here on Late Lunch as I invoke poetic license with this one courtesy of Julia Roberts, a.k.a. Vivian, In the bubble bath in her birthday suit.
4: woo
2: Ah, Prince. The song from Pretty Woman, sung by... Julia Roberts in the bath, bringing the curtain down. As I said, on my week, on pretty woman here, on your late lunch. I'll have to dedicate that to Magella because you see, I've got a message to say. Would you wish a belated happy birthday to my beautiful fiance, Magella? It'll mean so much from you, Jerry. I think she loves you more than your show. LOL. <sighs> Ah, oh, I'll never disclose her age But I'll be killed for saying that Thanks Kevin Anyway, that's for Magella today from Prince Final break of the afternoon We're back with David Sheehan As he looks ahead to the weekend in sport Let's do that sporting thing Before we finish today With our man David Sheehan Sports reporter and presenter of course Of LMFM Sunday Sport Good afternoon again David How are you doing Jerry? Thanks for joining me on the show. I'm well. Let's begin with the ladies of Dunboyne. The All-Ireland semi-final, they face Mourne Abbey, the champions from Cork. Can they bring victory again? Another turn up for the books.
7: Yeah, well, Jerry. I suppose, you know, a year ago we probably would have been conditioned to say no. But the way things have gone for me, for Dunboyne in the last kind of six, seven months, it's going to be, it's, you know, it's hard to bet against them. Like, they're down in Cork, Morton Arby, as you said, they're back-to-back All-Ireland champions from 2018 and 2019. There was no All-Ireland championship played in 2020. But, uh, yeah, like, but, you know, they're, they're stacked with, with star players from Cork, Emore Meany, Mo- Moira O'Callaghan, Kero O'Sullivan, Darren O'Sullivan and Breej O'Sullivan, who's the captain. They all featured for Cork against Meade in, in the All-Ireland semi-final, that famous All-Ireland semi-final uh, last August in Croke Park. So, like, loads of experience there. But Mead, of course, have Vicky Wall, Emma Duggan like the Fiona O'Neill in there as well, who got that crucial goal against Fox Cab. And as we talked about before, like Foxcab were going for, I think it was seven in a row mm. in Leinster, and Dunboyne dethroned them. So there's no reason why they can't. And, and they'll be relishing it. You, you can be sure the Dunboyne girls and the management will be absolutely raring to go, and will only be two delighted to go down to Cork and try and come away with the win. It's going to be very tough for them. There's no doubt about that. As we said, more than Amity the experienced side, uh, back-to-back Ireland champions. But who would who would be betting against Dunboyne or no. any of the me teams at the moment in <laughs> the ladies side of things? They're just a, a breed of their own and alone to themselves. So yeah. uh, you can you can be sure they will be only delighted. I'm 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 sure in a way they're 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 actually delighted not to, not not to necessarily be travelling down that distance to Cork but like to go down to the, the Lions Den and to try and come away with a win like that's a hell of a challenge and yes. they will really relish that so I'm gonna I'm gonna give the votes to Dumboyne here why not
2: Good on you David. Now another big game for Meath Club and it's the men this time it's the Leinster Intermediate Club Final between Trim and Clara. How do you see this one?
7: It's very hard to call this one Jerry. I was even looking at the, the odds just beforehand and there's not a whole lot to choose between them I mean for what it's worth like Clara beat the Dublin Intermediate champions, St. Pat's, Don in the quarterfinals. So, you know, they're going to be a decent side. I Again, you know, I'm not going to claim to be an expert on, on Clara, but you'd have to look at everything that's gone on so far this year in terms of the results that the sides have had. It looks like it's going to be a really tight game. Um, I'm just going to give, like, Kevin Riley's done a really great job there with Trim since he's gone in. And Avon no O'Mahony's man going in Trim can't be easy, but he's done a brilliant job with them. They lost those two intermediate finals in a row before getting over the line in the season just finished. So, I think I'm just going to give a hesitant nod to Trim. It's going to be a really, really close game, I think. Live on Sunday Sport, of course, as well. But uh, I think it's going to be a really tight one. I just give Trim the one or two-point nod on that one. You couldn't, again, you couldn't be betting against the Mead team here, Jerry.
2: The O'Byrne Cup, two dead rubbers, Offaly, Mead, Wexford. Do you see the Northeast counties prevailing there?
7: Well, I was there in Parnell Park on, on Wednesday night for the Loud game. And obviously Dublin are a cut above, even allowing for the fact that they put yeah. out a, you know, a much weaker team. But Loud in the second half had some promising performances. Jay Hughes came in and Casey Byrne came in and they looked really lively up front. So I think it's important for them to get performance, first of all. But it'd be really valuable to get the win on Saturday. So I'm hoping that they'll be able to do that because they did show some promise in that second half on Wednesday. For me, you say a dead rubber, if they get the win against Wexford and that game that was postponed yes. or cancelled against Wicklow... Nobody seems to know what's going to happen with that. Andy McAteen himself said during the week he hasn't heard anything from Leicester GA. If Need win that game against Wexford, I know that they are keen to play Wicklow because if they then beat Wicklow, they could be into a semi final. They could be into a final. So we are talking about another two or three extra matches potentially there. So if they beat Wexford, they may well be pushing for that Wicklow game to get played. Where they'll fit it in the calendar, I don't know. But one thing that's for certain. After the performance Meade put in against Leicester in the week when they were well beaten, they really need to hit back with a the win.
2: They certainly do. Let's move to soccer quickly before we finish. finished. And can I say, in the month of January, mid-January, the title may be decided this weekend with Chelsea visiting Manchester City?
7: Yeah, well, to be honest with you, Jerry, I think it's already decided 10 points between them. Um, even if Chelsea were to win that one, I get it very hard to see Manchester City, uh, you know, coming back into the pack too much. They're just so strong. We talked about it a week or two ago when I, when I tipped them to win it uh, and I'd win it comfortably, I would say, as well. So, you know, even if, if they do win it, I think Manchester City will win this game at the weekend. But even if Chelsea were to get the win, I think the title is almost a foregone conclusion already. It should be a really interesting game. Tuchel versus Guardiola, two tactical masters. Uh, I think Manchester City will just nick it and, uh, you know, they're going to win, I think, at a, at a stroll of the league this year, sadly.
2: Yeah, it'll settle. It'd certainly be over if they win. The gap is just too much and uh, too much to make up uh, for the rest between now and the end. And we've got to mention another one. And you and I will declare a hand. We've invested interest in this being uh, long-suffering Arsenal supporters. It's the London derby between Spurs and Arsenal. Now, there's a lot at stake because they're both going for fourth place in the Champions League. And, of course, the bragging rights. Arsenal have
7: improved. Well, it depends what week we're talking about here, Jerry. From week to week, it's, uh, it's, like, um, it's like, a heart, like a heart rate monitor going up and down. We saw them last night. I think maybe the best thing Arsenal could do on, on Sunday is get a man sent off in the first 10 minutes and play with 10 men because we saw what they did last night against Liverpool, albeit mm. Liverpool, and we're missing Salah and Mane. But yeah, they you know they went out against Sparrow last week in the Cup and didn't perform. But to be fair to Arsenal... That's been an outlier this season for them. They have been much more consistent. They have been much more solid. We saw Ben White last night again. Brilliant performance from him himself and Ramsdale have been great acquisitions. So yeah, North London Derby, just two points between them. albeit Spurs have two games in hand. Um, but they had a poor enough performance against Chelsea during the week. I think Spurs are under a lot of pressure here and Conte are under, is under a lot of pressure to put in a performance this weekend. And you know, what better time for them to bounce back than against Arsenal? We'd obviously both be hoping for a, a win for the red and white side of uh, North London. But... Uh, yeah I think it's going to be tough It's at Spurs home ground as well uh, I'm going to have to go over it for possibly An L1-all draw here Jerry. It's not an uncommon prediction for me at this stage But I think Arsenal certainly will improve And will play well and, and will be up for it But I, I think Spurs will probably show a bit more Steel than they've shown in the recent weeks And come away with a draw from that one
2: In a word before we go Is Granite Jack I won't say the word I'm thinking of Jack something uh, uh, On his way out the door He's a bloody liability isn't he?
7: Well, you'll probably disagree with me. In terms of his, his red card history for Arsenal, I had a little bit of sympathy for him last night because he had to maybe throw his leg at that one, but uh, he just seemed to be a little bit unfortunate. So I say unfortunate, that's, that's being kind to him. Uh, I'd say he'll probably see out the season with them, but whether he'll whether he last any longer than that, uh, I, I would say probably not.
2: Anyway, watch this space. I'm uh, hopeful, I'm hopeful that the Gurners with our Tet and a few more signings will get in amongst the big boys sooner rather than later. David, have a good weekend. Looking forward to Sunday Sport. Thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks, Sherry. Take care. That's our David Sheehan there looking ahead to the weekend in sport. That's a lot. On late lunch for another week. Thank you to all our guests who joined us every day. To my producer Louise Walsh. She's here today. She's very quiet today, but she is here with me um working away there in the background. Thanks a million Louise. Couldn't do this without you. And to you, our listeners, who join us every single day. We love your company, your involvement in the show. Thank you so much indeed. You're much appreciated. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with the drive here on LMFM radio. Wonderful music and more besides, stay with us here, and we'll be back on Monday, please God, at one thirty with a brand new week of your late lunch
1: take care the late lunch with blackstone motors and dog and cabin order your new dacia duster or the all-new dacia sendero and stepway Guaranteed delivery and low rate ap or finance visit blackstone hey
7: it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if, if. only in theaters may 17th do you want to tell people the big news